Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was in Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. Oh, good. That's oh. where I know him from. <laughs> That's where I recognize The him. most important of the yeah, Poltergeist yeah. film. And we're back. Thanks for logging back onto film.com. As always, we are your hosts, Gregory. Hello. And Matthew Stuvano. What's up? You sound so enthusiastic on this lovely morning, afternoon. I'm actually reading more about And I'm Josh. Sorry. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about old One boy. Flew Over... <laughs> one <laughs> Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Not old boy as Greg would have preferred. Uh, but this 1975 drama we're talking about uh, is iconic. So we thought, let's give it some love. Uh, Stu, if you want to kick us off, I want to just jump right into it? Yeah, let's get into it. So... Uh, Basically, that was much more enthusiastic. Well, I, I, no, I was I was reading about the movie, and I didn't mean to sound. Uh, we watch movies here. Monotone. Steve. Sorry, Monot- I, I watched the movie. I'm Monotonous. Gonna, He's anyway, watching it now. I, I'm actually finishing up, guys. Could you relax? Then you got to the part where everybody dies. Just kidding. I'm not gonna ruin it. <laughs> Only a few people. <gasps> anyway, so it's directed by uh, Milo Forman. Uh, like Josh said, it came out in uh, 1975, and it is actually listed as a comedy drama, which. There are some funny scenes, but it's mostly just kind of a dramatic movie. Yeah. Uh, starring Jack Nicholson, who is... He is a criminal who finds himself uh, being transported to a mental hospital. And he's being placed on the ward level where he has to, you know, go finish out the rest of his sentence. Uh, dealing with mental patients and dealing with guys with, you know, different ranges of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, some which are actually like, you know, there's one character who is, quote, dumb and deaf. Yeah. And, like, that's not a mental illness in 2018. He's just somebody who's deaf. No, but in, so, 19, in 1963 it is. Exactly. Yeah, the movie takes place in the 60s, even though it came out in the 75. Um, and it's basically Jack Nicholson just going through, finishing out his sentence, trying to get by, you know, really as easily as possible. You know, he wants to change the schedule around to do things he wants to do. He wants to, like, watch the World Series. He yeah. wants to, you know, basically swindle all the other mental patients away from their cigarettes and from all the money, their, quote, money they would have, things like that. Um, so it's, you know, just basically a story about Jack Nicholson spending his time in this mental hospital. Yeah. And, uh, the head nurse, Nurse Ratchet, is kind of a bitch, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, no. Yeah, Um, she is. Kind of a bitch. And she's basically making his life a lot more difficult. And really the lives of all of the patients of this hospital more difficult than it has to be. And that's kind of where the story kind of takes off as, you know, kind of like a what's going to happen type thing. So, um... I don't know, Greg, you, you have any initial thoughts? Not necessarily totally spoilery, but... Um, uh, honestly, yeah. I was not impressed with... I was impressed with this movie as a piece of cinema. Okay. Um, but as a story, it was awful. I hated it. It was boring. Stu basically just talked about the whole movie missing out, like, the end scene where someone escapes and um, a party. And the movie's two hours, and nothing really happens. It's two, yeah, two fifteen, which is um, quite a long movie. Yeah, uh, not for me. It's not a long movie, but it felt long, mostly because there's like no narrative momentum. Things are just happening, and then something else happens. It's not until the last like third of the movie, the last quarter of the movie, things where matter. things start leading into yeah. each other. Like yeah. this would, causes this. It's I like, would kind of agree with you, as, as unfortunate as that sounds, that it was a very slow movie. It was kind of like a slow burn, but it wasn't so much a burn. It was mm-hmm. just slow. But like aesthetically, it's amazing. It deserves to be in. I think it is in the uh, Library of Congress. Is it? as one of the most uh, accurately depicted. Uh, and like historically important mm-hmm. movies, yeah. uh, just because it deals with how 
I guess America dealt with mental illness in the '60s, which is not well, not no, well at not all. Not well at all. Um, it's it's, been, it's I don't know if I mentioned it, it's based on a novel, mm-hmm. yeah, a 1962 novel yeah. by Ken Kesey, so um, which we know nothing about. So, <laughs> but yeah, like I think all the individual parts, everything besides the story part of this movie is wonderful. I think all mm. the performances are really good. I think it's aesthetic, the way it's put together, the shots. Um, I think it's an important movie in like the history of film. Yeah. But since film is a visual storytelling medium, I think it doesn't deliver on the storytelling. It's a lot of end then instead of an event I'm causing gonna, something. I'm gonna semi agree with that just because well I, I, I really enjoyed this movie actually. Um but I will agree that there is no like deliberate story. Like, there's no inciting incident. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no midpoint where something else would happen. There's no there's no really climax of the movie either. It's it just kind of dealing with it, and almost you could, and almost you can argue that um, it kind of emulates Jack Nicholson's sentence too, because for a while he thought this sentence was only going to last X amount of. I think he said sixty-two months. or sixty-three days. Yeah, he only, he only thought it was going to last was a, a certain amount of time, and then he's going to be, be released. However, he's not because he needs, he needs to be cured of his quote mental illness. And that was kind of the trade-off that that they they see like. When he was in prison, he would, he just had 60-whatever days left. Yeah. And then when he was transferred to the mental hospital, it was, now that we're classifying you with somebody with a mental illness, we have to cure you before we can let you leave. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, it kind of emulates that and the fact that it's just things will be happening and then something else will happen and so on and so forth. Uh, but I actually really enjoyed this movie, like, a lot. I thought it was very emotional in terms of, like, happiness and sadness, like, when they're all on the boat. Well, that's and that's where I kind of agree with Greg. Like that happens, but then nothing really comes of it. Like no. it, just, it just happens. They don't even acknowledge it again. Like yeah. that's something that should have a lot of consequence for uh, McMurphy's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not even acknowledged. But like I agree with that. Like there are highs and lows. There's real human emotion in this. Yeah. Um, all the performances are great. Um, the only thing I didn't really like was the ending where Chief like escapes and like yeah. the movie plays it up the score with the way they frame it everything that's happening yeah. it's supposed to be this like huge like moment of emotional catharsis but like I don't feel like the movie earned it so in the book I read this briefly on uh, just like looking up some things about the movie in the book uh, Chief was actually the narrator of the book. Okay. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. That's that cool. would make so that would make more sense for the people who have read the book. But uh, but if you're just watching the movie, you're kind of like, well, why are we kind of focusing on this now? You know I was I mean? actually I was thinking this as it was going on. I feel like that, and I'm not, I'm not saying in terms of you know 2018 because 2018 they usually ruin things when they do this. Yeah. But I feel like this would have been a good TV show because. You can kind you of have ex- a cast of characters. You can explore every because we, we didn't get a lot of information about what was you know quote unquote wrong with these people or wrong with these patients and yeah there was kind of bits and pieces of it but um, I, I wonder though oh, sorry to interrupt but no. I wonder if that's like a, a cultural thing because of the way mental illness was perceived the time this movie came out like even still, even even in they 75, didn't even like, they didn't like even, we would have known then what's wrong with those people because like a common uh, interpretation of mental illness yeah, at that yeah, time yeah. would have been able, we would have been able to identify it when now we have a much better understanding That's of true. mental illness. So maybe it's culturally that we just didn't get those things. Yeah, and I but thought, I, like, it, sorry, I didn't cut you off. I was going to say, but I agree with you that I think a TV show would have done better for the yeah. ensemble cast. Because because there were so many different people. I think there was 18 members of the ward floor, and yeah. there was about nine you focused on, 10 yeah. if you include Chief, who didn't get a lot of screen time until the very end. Yeah. But um, So I think that with those nine people, plus Nurse Ratchet, plus... Um, any of the higher ups, like uh, uh, sorry, is it, uh, Turkle's his name. That's that's the head. Uh, I guess not guard. Well, I don't know what you call. I him. think he was just like a night shift I think guy. A nurse? I don't even know. 
Uh, I think he was, he might have been like a night nurse. Okay. Um, but I think the only reason we think he's important is because he was there for an important for the incident. Important, that's that's fair. But anyway, so overall, though, I do I don't think it's a I don't think it's as negative as you made it seem, Greg. But I also don't think it's as positive as you made it seem, Josh. I think that it was a very it was a very like a slow movie. Uh, we really didn't pick up to the last 45 minutes, and then the last 45 minutes kind of like it picked up like very, very quickly and kind of had a lot of not action, but you know what I mean, like a lot of, a lot yeah, of stuff, happening. a lot of things happening. Yeah. yeah. And then it kind of just ended, but like you know, the first hour and a half was just like, all right, this is cool, but like, what am I? Where's the, where's the consequences from what's happening? Like, you're kind of just showing me things, but they don't really have any impact on anything. Like, like. The beginning of the movie, obviously showing him come into the mental hospital, it's important, but yeah. from the time he gets there within the first 25 minutes to the next hour and 15 minutes, none of those things have any consequences. It's all kind of just the same stuff. I mean, so. it was it was a lot of him building relationships with the people uh, yeah. who were in there. And especially with Nurse Ratchet, who, you know, he, basically you see, really it was kind of, you see how manipulative Nurse Ratchet is the entire yeah, like that's yeah. what the middle hour and a half is and you see how uh how his name Jack Nicholson's character's name is uh McMurphy. Yeah. How McMurphy is noticing how manipulative she is. Yeah, yeah. And how he doesn't like it, and obviously that leads to the climax of the movie, which we'll mm-hmm. get to later. But um also un- unrelated to I guess the story, okay. I did like Christopher Lloyd. I mean he's obviously the most recognizable actor in that in this movie besides Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And then I was watching it with my, my mother. You have a mother? Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, and nice. she she goes, oh, look, that's Danny DeVito. I was like, no, it's not. And, like, who played the char- a character named Martini. Yeah. And, like, I looked up if he was in it, and obviously it was him. She wasn't wrong. But I was, like, blown away because he's so young. Like, obviously now, 75 is how many years ago at this point? Like, 34 years ago. Like, yeah. he looks so different than he does now that, like, I was totally blown away when I thought that was Martini. He was also... This was also a play in 1971. Okay. And Danny DeVito played Martini in the play as well. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. So I didn't even realize DeVito dabbled in theater. Neither did I. But apparently um, does. But yeah, I didn't recognize it was Danny DeVito. I was just when I was doing my notes, I looked up the cast just to get an idea of like names and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I really because I'm so used to um, Sonny in Philadelphia, Danny DeVito. That's yeah, like when exactly. I think of him, that's yeah, quintessential yeah. Danny DeVito for me. Honestly, that's that's quintessential 21st century Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, but another problem I have with this movie, I knew I think I started off on a bad note because uh, McMurphy's in like he gets sent to prison for yeah. statutory. Yeah. So I found it very hard to be able to like root, root for, for him this guy. Yeah, yeah. And like. Their Ratchet was bad, but I think like ultimately in the at the end of the day, like, well, like I he, would like I would root for McMurphy. He was super funny. He like, said that um, that it was just because she was underage, though. Like he didn't like it wasn't actually like he said it was consensual. It was consensual. He, yeah. He, so it, well, I, there's one line he has in that meeting that that was very funny. Okay. Because uh, before he mentions the statutory rape, or it gets mentioned, he goes. The, the head, I guess, doctor goes, why are you here, Mr. McMurphy? And he's like, because I fight and fuck too much. I, I thought that was, that was just a funny line coming from... And Jack Nicholson, who plays a crazy person, quote-unquote crazy person, yeah. very well, um, delivers it perfectly. But um, then he goes on to mention that the reason he was in prison is because he had consensual sex with this woman who told him that she was 18, and it turns out he was she was 15. Yeah. And he, and he also gets into a lot of fights, so... Yeah. A lot he, of fights. He fights and fucks too much, is basically it, so... Um, so I agree that it was hard to root for him knowing that, but it was quickly forgotten when you see how, um, 
how Nurse Ratchin treats. Yeah, like he was definitely a positive influence on the patients. Yeah, he gave them like well, autonomy. And, he like yeah. livened up the place. He definitely made them enjoy their stay more. And truthfully, she doesn't have a total negative impact until you get later in the movie. The beginning is mostly just and like for, the monotonous life of living. Yeah, in exactly. World. And for, and for a while, uh, and I think this actually still stands true even with the ending. I think she does care about the patient because she is a nurse, but she wants to care about them her way and wants to treat yeah. them only her way without seeing anybody else's, mm -hmm. which leads to, yeah. And she does say at one point that um, she wanted uh, Jack uh, McMurphy to stay because she felt like you shouldn't pawn your problems off on anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that she says that yeah. after the boat incident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I thought was interesting that I noticed is that, so in the, and this is kind of, uh, this is, uh, I don't want to call it, for, I guess kind of foreshadowing to a later reveal where uh, in the very beginning of the movie, when he first shows up in the mental ward, all of the patients are wearing, like, the white, like, not scrubs, but they're all wearing the white, like, clothes that they're given, the, the t-shirt and yeah. the pants or whatever. And he's in his jeans and his flannel or whatever he's wearing and his hat. And as the movie progresses, he's, you know, in the very beginning, he's the only one not wearing white. And he's the only one uh, in, like, street clothes, if you will. Mm -hmm. And as the movie progresses, he starts putting the white clothing on top of his mm -hmm. stuff. And you know, wearing it over, and at the yeah. end, he's he's wearing the very end. He's obviously wearing the mental patient scrubs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's which, good, it's it's good symbolism. I thought it was like I, this, that's the first thing, the first thing I noticed in the first scene. I was like, oh, he's the only one wearing not wearing yeah. white. And yeah. then the next the next scenes, a couple scenes later, he's wearing it over stuff. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, that's a point I can't bring up. I'll have to throw it away. Yeah. And as it progressed, I'm like, oh, just kidding. It does does mean yeah, something. It brought it back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then obviously the first thing I thought of was so. At first, he starts spitting out his pills and, like, not taking them yeah. when they all take their medication. So, either he was actually just started taking them on his own or because she mentions when he first says, I'm not taking this, she goes, if you don't take it voluntarily, we'll get it to you somehow one way or another. You, don't, you won't like it very much, though. Anally. So, yeah, that's what I figured. So, I thought that either he started taking them on his own or they started giving it to him forcefully, which kind of, you know, no, I think, messed him up a little bit. No, I don't think he ever took it. Yeah, I don't think he ever took it. You know, they, they, they snuck it on him? No, no. The... They would have shown us. Yeah. They definitely would have shown us. And his behavior would have changed. They were probably like mood suppressors and stuff to oh, make God. them more uh, passive and yeah. stuff. And he was still like zany the whole time. Um, so, but a uh, good thing to note is that uh, Jack Nicholson and is it Louise Felcher? Louise Felcher, Felcher? Yes, yeah. They both won Oscars for leading roles in this movie. Okay. Yeah, which is... I don't know about her. I, don't I mean, thought she played a very. I don't good know what the competition was in 1975, to be honest. I think she but played Jack a bitch. Is amazing, especially like in this era. This is really his prime. You mm -hmm. know, this Chinatown, The Shining. He played a convincing. He played a convincing uh, crazy person, quote unquote. She played a convincing bitch, which I think is good. Um, I actually thought that she, the guy who played Chief, which his name is Will Sampson, I thought he did a good job. Is he in anything else, or am uh, I just I have no idea. not recognizing? Uh, I don't really now. think so. I, I mean, so. I, I mean, I, he died in '87, uh, so, so probably not. Is, I mean, I imagine casting for that was very difficult because you needed a seven foot tall Native American actor. Which um, is did you guys not think, in surplus? Did you guys think from the beginning he was deaf and dumb? I totally didn't buy it. No, I, no. See, I've seen too many movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was in Poltergeist Two: The Other Side. Oh, good. That's oh. Where I know. Good <laughs> that's where I recognize the him. most important of the yeah. Poltergeist films. Probably one of the best horror films of our time. If we're being uh, he's also in Buffalo Bill and the Indians or Sitting Bull's History Lesson. I don't know what that is. It sounds like a history lesson yeah, that you exactly. play for like a middle school class. Um, but I thought he did a very good job. Uh, I thought he was, you know, he, he was. 
He was definitely uh, convincing as somebody who would have been deaf and dumb, but I didn't buy it for a second just because mm-hmm. I've seen too, like you said, seen too many movies to think that. But yeah, especially because he was kind of like he was kind of understanding what Nicholson was telling him to do and things like that. Even though, even though he didn't act like, and even though Nicholson's just waving his arms. At exactly. Him. The whole ba- the whole basketball scene is actually very funny where he wanted them to. I love him seeing him just walk back and yes, forth. Yes, it was and great. He holds his hand on the net amazing. And pushes the ball out. Um. But even like that, like that, that, that's one of the many positive influences Jack Nicholson's character oh, had course. on all the patients, and they definitely focus on. I mean, there's nine in the in the group, mm-hmm. uh, but it focuses on probably four or five of them that, that he yeah. actually in, like directly affects. It focuses on obviously McMurphy, Cheswick, who is kind of like his right hand man, if you will, uh, uh, Billy, yeah. and then Harding, who is the I don't want to call him the curmudgeon of the group, but. He's kind of like curmudgeonly, and he's complaining about his wife, and mm. uh, and um, he's yeah, and he's voluntarily there because he thinks well, all of them, well, are, right? So, so, so besides in so his group, that nine, most of McMurphy, Tabor were the two in his group who were not voluntarily there, which is uh, which is Christopher, Christopher Lloyd, Lloyd. Which is and then she, I think she said all the chronics are stuck here. So I think the guy in the wheelchair, yeah. the guy who was saying mm. I'm so tired all the time, I don't remember his name. Chief probably um, was. Jennifer Crimson's chief broke out at the end. Yeah. Um, he was that. well, and so that is where the whole thing with Nurse Ratched, you the story of her being an asshole, kind of picks up. Yeah. Because when McMurphy kind of questions all of them for why they're there voluntarily, like Billy, like Harding, excuse me, like uh, Martini and Cheswick, you almost get the sense that they're almost like too afraid to leave because of what Ratched might do to them or what yeah. you know she might perceive might happen to them on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um. And that especially comes to fruition with Billy because what ends up happening to Billy is he gets so scared she's going to, quote, tell his mother about something he did, which is harmless in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, it leads him to, spoiler alert, kill himself in the climax of the movie. The movie's over 40 years old. I don't think we need to spoil yeah. alert anything. Um, so <laughs> that that's really what, when once McMurphy in like kind of the third act finds out that everybody is there voluntarily for the most part, that's when you kind of start... That's when, if you haven't noticed it by this point, you start to absolutely notice how much of an a-hole Ratchet is, mm-hmm. and how she's really doing a lot of harm to these these men who were stuck in this ward because mm-hmm. they're so afraid to leave, even though they can live almost a better life on the outside. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what the the drugs are doing. Then they're making them, I guess, the uh, you know whatever. It's more it passive. Exactly. So, um, and uh, what else do you have, Greg? Um, uh, I just I. Again, with the, like the fact that a lot of things were kind of disjointed, I didn't really feel like the um, uh, McMurphy getting so angry over Billy killing himself. Like, I mean, it probably was justified, but I feel like the reaction I think was, it was it excessive. Was, like, if it were really? like Martini or um, or um, I think it was build- I think it was, I think it was building for that just because of his uh, dislike towards Ratchet, mm-hmm. and because he knew that. That he killed himself simply because Ratchet said he's going to tell his mother mm-hmm. on him. Um, well, and he even said like when when the whole thing happened that he found out that they were all voluntary. Yeah. He even says to him like, "You're a young kid. What are you doing here? Go have fun. Like, go mm. go to a bar. Like, do like have fun." Yeah. And he finally got to have that fun because of the impromptu Christmas party slash escape plan that they. That had. was actually really nice though. I like that Christmas party. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, that it ends up 
you know, he ends up costing him his life. And you notice that right right before uh, Ratchet decided to scold Billy, Billy didn't stutter for that entire sentence. He didn't. No, he didn't at all. He didn't at all. And then as soon as she starts holding, yeah. Him, so you he, see, and, and it and it pans over to Jack Nicholson's face, and he's like smiling at the fact that he's not stuttering. Yeah. So like he can be helped. He just needed to get some confidence back in him. And then and then Ratchet crushed it immediately. And he, and she knew exactly how to. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, that's well, and then, so that's what's interesting about it is they specifically take. Chief McMurphy and Cheswick to do the electroshock therapy mm-hmm. when they get into the fight with the guards at one point. Yeah, and that um that just kind of shows the cruel ways that not necessarily Ratchet did almost on purpose, but kind of the whole ward was doing just to control patients where they do and shock that's, therapy. And that's kind of really why it's in um what did you say it was in Greg as far as a historical accuracy and. Uh, I just said it was the Library of Congress, like decided to. That just means like, like they're preserving it. Yeah, yeah, preserving yeah, it. yeah. Because and because that, that's what really happened in the '60s with mm. they had electroshock therapy, which is not really should ever be used ever. Or lobotomies. Uh, and then eventually, yeah, the lobotomy, which, which is, it's just awful because those things actually happened. Exactly. Mm. Uh, and actually, I was thinking, I totally. Even though it's you know technically murder, I agree with Chief for doing he, like that. Yeah. He would have mm-hmm. wanted him to, end, to do that to him. Yeah, yeah, even not liking McMurphy, Chief was in the right there. Yeah, like, at the yeah at at the end of the movie, uh, McMurphy gets lobotomized. Well, well, so let's back it up a little okay. bit. So We're when, up. when Billy kills himself, yeah, uh, what happens is well, let's back up even further because we never really explained it. For those of you who haven't seen it, we're doing our jobs very poorly, boys. Yep. Um, so bouncing all over. McMurphy place. and Chief devise a plan to break out. Yeah. And what they do is, because I guess they're the two people who are committed there. Yeah. So what they do is they decide to distract uh, the night guard and the rest of the guys with a Christmas party. So the girl who, uh, Candy, her name is, that meets them on the boat, Mm -hmm. brings one of her friends, and they both come in, and one of them has to occupy the, uh, the guard, and the rest of them have a Christmas party for all the patients in the ward. They have, like, music and lights and everything, and they have alcohol, so a lot of alcohol. And the party goes very well. Everybody's having a great time. And then what ends up happening, it devolves into uh, right as McMurphy and Chief are about to leave because they stole the keys from the passed out guard who got drunk and passed out, that they will, uh, Billy mentions, hey, can I come with you? Or, or no, he says, uh, are you going to marry Candy when you get in the mm-hmm. outside? Because he had a crush on her, which was mentioned when they were on the boat. Alluded to when they were on the boat. So McMurphy kind of forces Billy to go have sex with Candy and sort of the rest of the guys. And while they're waiting for them to finish up, him and Chief end up passing out from drinking. Um, and actually, Chief mentions how he's afraid to go on the outside because if he, his father was an alcoholic. So he gets afraid if he's on the outside, he might become an alcoholic himself. Mm-hmm. And then that almost kind of comes to fruition immediately because they both pass out drunk before they can escape. So the next morning, Nurse Ratchet and all the guards come back. And they see this big mess of a party, and they find Billy. And then, of course, Ratchet starts scolding Billy, as we mentioned. And Billy kills himself. And when uh, McMurphy sees this, he kind of only... He loses it. Goes into a fit of rage and Ooh. starts to just choke out Nurse Ratchet. Trying to kill her. Trying to kill her, basically. And then the, the guards rip him off her. They obviously, I would assume, they bring him upstairs to the whatever part of the mental ward. And then the next scene you see is Nurse Ratchet with a neck brace on and... Ooh. McMurphy's brought back and he has been lobotomized. Uh, but importantly, like shortly before that, the, um, I forget which one it was. They were talking about they are like saying that McMurphy escaped and it made them all really happy. It was like, uh, it was uh, Harding says that yeah, McMurphy yeah. escaped. He's long gone. And Chief is like upset because he goes, "There's no way he would have left me here." Mm-hmm. And then when Chief, who they're all sleeping, he sees McMurphy brought down. 
he has like a confused look on his face and he isn't really emotional. And then he sees the lobotomy scar, so Chief decides to uh, suffocate him with his pillow. Mercy and then him. break out so that the lie about him escaping ends up being true. Like, he could, he ended up giving them hope um, anyway. It's so possible they, to escape. Yeah. 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 And what's really cool about uh, sorry, for filmmaking with the return of... When Nurse Ratchet has her neck brace on, it's almost identical to the scene in the beginning when we were first introduced to the ward. Mm-hmm. We have just a bunch of people playing cards. It's all very mellow. Mm-hmm. Not like when Jack Nicholson was there. Well, so. what's funny is they're playing they're playing the card game he taught them. They're mm, playing yeah, uh, blackjack as yeah. opposed to playing whatever they're playing before. Yeah. Also, a nice callback was the way he's walking in when they're escorting in. It was a similar gait to when he first came back after his electroshock therapy. Yeah. So you could, for a second, us, the audience, and Chief thinks it's just him playing a bit. Yeah. But then he goes and because when he com- when he comes back from the electroshock therapy, he plays a he like yeah. almost co- plays a gag on the guy saying mm-hmm. like I'm not brain dead yet they didn't get me that time or whatever he says yeah um so us as the audience think it's like just another gag it's like oh mcmurphy won over them again now they're going to escape but then chief goes up and it turns out that they lobotomized him and i do like the way chief escapes so uh earlier in the movie mcmurphy when they're watching when he wants to watch the world series and this is this is actually the first moment where you see everybody's afraid of ratchet so he tells the boys we should be able to watch the world series that have to work so let's all go to her at the meeting and say we want to switch the schedule around so we can watch the World Series. So Ratchet says, all right, raise your hand if you want to watch the World Series instead of work, and we'll change the schedule around if you get a majority. And only McMurphy and Cheswick raise their hands. And that's where you kind of see that they're all afraid of her. So what McMurphy does is he, he tells the boys, I'm going to rip the sink out of the ground, throw it through the window, and escape. And he tries to lift it, and obviously he can't because it's a sink that's anchored into the ground. And that's the way Chief escapes. Is he's, a, he's a big Native American dude. He rips the sink out of the ground, throws it through the window, and that's how he escapes to end the movie. But that was a cool callback, which I didn't yeah. which I didn't see coming until obviously I saw him walk away. I was like, oh, he's going to get the sink. But yeah. One thing I did enjoy about this movie yeah. is I, I do, besides the scene on the boat, obviously, I do enjoy how 98% of it takes place in one room. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool little, I, that, that's a cool filmmaking device that people use. I mean, obviously, the iconic one is 12 Angry Men, mm-hmm. where. I think all but five, the end five minutes takes place yeah. in one juror's room. Yeah. Um, but Tarantino does that a lot. I love in Res Dogs and you know those types of movies, Hateful Eight, where they're all in one room. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little touch, especially because part of the driving force of the plot that there is mm-hmm. is that they can't that even though they can leave, they don't want to leave. They're confined to this tiny space because of their fears that Ratchet's put in their mind or whatever it is. So it also works out really well because we follow them around exploring the place, so we get a good understanding of like the geometry of the yeah. room that they're in, which is I think it's important. It's an important thing to do. A lot of movies, like I'm going to say, a lot of movies, but action movies especially, will just keep going back and forth between different things happening all the time. And you don't really know where things happening are in relation to each other. Yeah. And even though most of this movie we're following McMurphy around, uh, when he, he basically explores the place. So, like, at any given time, we know where he is in relation to his room yeah. and stuff like that. The only time you kind of lose it is when he goes to the bay. But we don't really know. He, like, drove away. We don't need to know how he yeah. got there. How, yeah, like, how ridiculous <laughs> is that entire, that entire, like, Subplot. Well, a a group of mental patients escapes on a bus, and then they lie to the guy, the run, boat rental guy, they're, they're, they're all doctors. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, actually, with, 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 with his escape, actually, this, this is another little callback they had. Um, when the first time McMurphy's outside um, doing the whole like basketball, oh, the bit squirrel. With you, you see the squirrel. Yeah. You see he's, he looks up and sees a squirrel on the barbed wire, uh, which is kind of like keeping them all in on, on the big chain link fence. And then the next time he's outside to escape. He uses the same like tactic. So this movie does very well is these callbacks, and they're not like beating you over the head with like, 
you know, like when like a like a line of dialogue is mentioned, yeah, and then like yeah, later yeah. on when the other character will say the same exact line yeah. back. Yeah, it's not not like you know cheesy shit like that. This is really good. A filmmaking. lot of it they don't even like they don't address. It's all done visual. It's yeah, almost like yeah. Honestly, it's almost like too hard to to pick out. Like he almost did too good of a job disguising it's it. It's almost yeah. like this director knew what he was doing. Yeah, right. Exactly. He knew how to direct. It's yeah, almost right. like he deserved to win the Oscar. Good for Milo Foreman. Yeah. Uh, also did Amadeus. Yes, which we talked about off mic, how it's been nominated. It was nominated for a bunch of different... It won eight Oscars. Eight Oscars. In 1984. Uh, speaking of Oscars, I just want to bring this up because no. uh, I'm a horror snob, <laughs> as Stu put it. Um, but this movie, there are three other movies um, that have won the big five for the Oscars. Which, which are... is screenplay, actor, actress, director, and picture. Yep. Um, so this one... Uh, this one, it was the second film in 41 years. The first one was, it happened at night, it happened one night, um, which was the sixth Oscar. I think this was the okay. 40... Well, you know what year that was? Uh, I don't know what year it was. It's called It Happened One Night? Yeah, It Happened One Night. And then the next one was like uh, almost 20 years later, maybe like 19, 18 or 19, but it was Silence of the Lambs. Really? Which is the only horror thriller movie that's been yeah. like recognized by the Academy. It so Happened One Night was 34. Sorry. 34. Uh, that's, that's, I did not know that this yeah. was that acclaimed. That's interesting. Yeah, that's... I mean, yeah, I know it's up there on IMDb's Top 250. That's mm-hmm. part of the reason we decided to do this, but I didn't realize I'm going to guess uh, Return of the King was also on, in the top five. It's the one like almost every single Yeah, it won almost everything, but it yeah. didn't win like those specifically, mostly because there's not really ladies in Lord of the Rings. That's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So like, I think this is like a, this is like an exclusive club, but there obviously are pictures with one more Oscar. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that big That's interesting. Five. Cool. So, uh, and I mean, this, uh, I think that this is definitely, a, this is definitely from an era of film that is kind of bygone. Like it's from an old time. Like even though it's seventy five, which relatively speaking isn't that old, yeah. it's still like a different style. As far of as far as film goes, because like yeah. it's, I mean, it's two thousand eighteen. Filmmaking has only really been going on for about a hundred years, which is, in all things considered, not that long of a time. Mm-hmm. But so. it's crazy to see how like far things have come, even from like si- like even the jump from like silent films to spoken mm-hmm. things. Yeah, is super important. Then the jump to color, but even those are just like technical achievements. Like even the way making films has changed a lot. You could tell like you could tell it's not a film of this time. Like the way they make it is different. Of course, yeah. and like I mean, compared this to you know, the movies that have come out just this year, I mean mm-hmm. it's absurd. I mean, yeah, which is I mean you guys have anything else to add or. Uh, I think oh, do you want to do? You want to just like wrap it up with oh, like so a, a yeah. rating? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go like out of ten? Out of ten, um, I would say uh, I know on Letterbox I gave it a three and a half, so that's what a seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. So I I say six and a half, seven out of ten is, is a good. Okay. Rating I'm gonna me. go. I'm gonna go higher. I'm gonna give it like a solid eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, solid, solid, solid movie. Yeah, I think I was with Stu. If I think I gave it like three, three and a half stars because, like I said, like all the movie, like the technical aspects of part of this movie was yeah. amazing. Yeah. But I just I couldn't care about the story. I honestly the whole time, like I was checking my phone a lot. I was just yeah. waiting for it to happen. I okay. think that I, I agree with you, but for me, the ending was a good payoff. Mm-hmm. Even though there wasn't much leading up to the ending, mm-hmm. the last forty-five minutes was, I think, solid enough. That coupled with just the good filmmaking mm-hmm. and the you know how it looked good yeah. was funny oh yeah no, like I, like I said we have the same score and I think the filmmaking part of it is definitely enough to bring it up to that level even if I don't enjoy the story like, and it definitely is like a, I, I don't know if we actually like I know you said emotional but it's like a sad movie just mm-hmm. like when you sit stop and think about this yeah movie you went through yeah, for exactly. however many years yeah, in this and country and around the world and that's why it gets so emotional so that's why when you see him 
taking them all on the boat and they're also excited they caught fish you're like wow that's you feel you feel good in that scene that's actually a know? funny scene where yeah. where obviously he goes into the deck to have sex with candy yeah and like cheswick just leaves the boat when it's doing like a donut and because all everyone goes out. to watch it too yeah, well, yeah. that was real good yeah. and honestly i feel like by today's standards a lot of those people wouldn't be considered mentally ill no of course but not just no. because there was so much no. stuff. Well, like i mentioned chief wouldn't mm. be mentally ill the chief was deaf uh, no, he wasn't even deaf which yeah. is which is even a bigger oversight we think about it so that he was able to pe- not only trick the patients but trick everybody that thinking he was just deaf and dumb. I mean, so he might have been don't really committed know why. Someone. Yeah, you don't really know why yeah. he's there in the movie. In the book, he's actually a schizophrenic. Oh, okay. I th- so I think there's a lot that deviates from the book in this okay. movie. Okay, interesting. Uh, fun fact: Michael Douglas uh, produced this movie. Really? I actually I did see Kirk, his name. Kirk I did Douglas see his name come up on the thing. bought the rights to the movie. Okay, uh, and then he couldn't get any traction, and then Michael Douglas got it made. Apparently, I did somehow. see that. I, I did notice his name on the credits, the opening yeah. credits. I was like, yeah. wonder if it's the same Michael Douglas. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah, there you go. So there, there you have it. Like I said, that's kind of like uh, we we wanted to throw in these old time reviews because we've been doing a lot of contemporary things, like you know, a bunch of new things, like a bunch of like you know, what's the latest you know Marvel movie or yeah. really popular I mean, things. We just did Star to bother you. I mean, we yeah. talked about Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, yeah. we, we haven't done any old movie reviews, which are things exactly. we kind of would like to do, but um, like a sprinkle in every once in a while yeah, yeah. for the more iconic ones like this. So as far as what will be coming out next, so the. First or the second podcast we ever did? The first one we did. First one we ever did was twenty, the year twenty seventeen in review. Mm-hmm. Um, we will now the next episode we will have will be a instead of because we planned end of the year doing a twenty eighteen podcast and it was re, the first one was two hours long. So just for time purposes and for you know something interesting to talk about, we're going to do a mid year review. It's the end of the summer. It's the end of August by this point. So we're going to kind of do you know. A beginning, you know, January through August, how the year kind of turned out, what movies li- we liked, what movies, you know. And that way we can also, we don't need to focus on the movies that are going to come out at the end of the exactly. year, which will be winning, which will be, be nominated for all the Oscar during Oscar season. Exactly. So, we can focus on what, what's happened. So, if you've seen a lot of movies in 2018, which we've, I think, probably collectively we've seen maybe, I don't know, 30? Yeah, we're up there. We're up there. I think we're, I think between the three of us, we've probably seen almost 40. Yeah. And, and probably in between now when we record that podcast, we'll see a couple more. I we'll mean, see a bunch more. I want especially, especially when Oscar season comes out. Exactly. We can see a lot more movies that so, way. So now we can focus on things, give things that deserve attention more. Like I feel like last time during Oscar season, we kind of just yeah, we lost everything. Yeah. We yeah. didn't really uh, talk about a lot of the Oscar films because we had to fit in a whole year. This way we can divide our attention to the early films we really enjoyed in the first half of the year and then still give the same amount of attention to movies later. So alert for next podcast i really love a quiet place wow yeah we'll make you say that i had no clue can tell really um so that will be <laughs> next time out and then to give you a little hint what's coming out after that whoa we were planning be, that far ahead well we talked whole episodes, two whole episodes <laughs> we, we're getting there we'll folks. be doing our first of hopefully many of di- series director series we're going to be focusing on a specific director and we're going to watch a whole bunch of their movies. I think we said the top four on IMDb. We're going to watch their top four movies that they've directed. Or more. It could be more. Yeah, we're going yeah. to do, and it's four rated and not what they're known for. Yeah. Just to clarify for you guys we, if you want to watch We clicked on Tarantino and it goes from dusk till dawn because he's an actor in that. We're not doing that. But the first director we'll be doing is arguably the best director of all time, Mr. Stanley Kubrick. So that's coming down the line. Um, but for right now, yeah. follow us on Twitter. And... Uh, SoundCloud and stuff. Uh, uh, it, that, here's a I, message for our, for I our sponsor. I pointed at you to give the, the the fucking the thing, man. Oh, uh, no. Let's try that again. Let's, 
For now, follow us on Twitter. Uh, and SoundCloud. You're supposed to say at the handle. You I have know. to do it one more time. Comedy comes in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate you. Yeah, you're going to have a fun time editing this yeah, fucking thing. Thanks. Um, I'm not doing it. So anything. for now, I guess just follow us on Twitter. And SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> Film underscore dot the word underscore com. Uh, check us out. Check out, obviously, our other episodes. We just put out uh, Sorry to Bother You podcast, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Best Performances Since Year 2000. Obviously, go even going back further, we have Infinity War and Marvel stuff. So check us out. Twitter, uh, SoundCloud, and we will talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Adios. There are cats in 101 Dalmatians. It's not about cats. It's about dogs. So They're about. It's not even just dogs. It's specifically <laughs> Dalmatians. 101 of them. Actually, it's about 99 of them. No. No, it'd be 103. No, it is. No, you're right. It is not. Are the two parents counted in the 101? I don't know. Fucking watch the movie and count all the Dalmatians. Let's do. Let's do one about.